Genesis 12, 15, and 17 record the covenantal promise God made with Abram regarding his future descendants. He promised that he and Sarai would give birth to an heir. However, Genesis 16 reports a sharp contrast between the faith Abram demonstrated in chapter 15 and the apparent lack of faith he demonstrated in chapter 16. Ten years had passed and the promise for a descendant had not yet been fulfilled. Now in ancient times, per the Code of Hammurabi, if a wife couldn't have a baby, her husband could marry another woman to bear him a child. However, some people used a different custom where they would use a slave to be a surrogate for the wife. This might have been a way to avoid having to marry another woman. If the surrogate attempted to claim equality with her mistress, then the mistress could reduce her to being a mere slave. In addition, if a woman was unable to have a baby after 10 years of marriage, her husband could divorce her. Thus, scholars believe that may have been the reason that Sarai told Abram to sleep with Hagar. Abram complied and Hagar got pregnant. Then tensions grew between Sarai and Abram as she began to blame him for her suffering. Meanwhile, she accused Hagar of despising her when she got pregnant, so she began to treat Hagar very harshly until Hagar finally fled. After fleeing to the wilderness, Hagar encountered the angel of the Lord who instructed her to return to the household and submit to Sarai. He then instructed her to name her son Ishmael, which means God hears, and spoke a blessing about his life. Then, Hagar did something for which there appears to be no other biblical record. She conferred a name on God. The Names of God Bible, which is a paraphrased Bible, reads, Hagar named Yahweh, who had been speaking to her. You are Elroy, she said. This is the place where I watch the one who watches over me. In commemoration of her experience, she named the well Be'er Lahai Roy, which means well of the living one who watches over me. In summary, El Roy is an epithet for God, which means God who sees me or God of seeing. seeing. Naming is usually associated with having authority over a person. And I don't need to tell you that Hagar, and no one for that matter, has authority over God. So how do you explain what happened in the wilderness? Remarking on the circumstances that may have resulted in Hagar conferring a name on God, Walton, Shabbalas, and Matthew state, the text identifies the deity as the Lord Yahweh, but gives no indication that Hagar knew it was Yahweh. Here it is more likely that since she does not know the name of the deity that has shown her favor, she assigns a name to him as an identification of his nature and so that she might invoke his presence again. Regardless of the reason Hagar was privileged with the opportunity to experience God this way and confer a name on him, the truth remains, God sees all and is keenly aware of what is happening throughout the universe at all times and in the individual lives of everyone. And even when we struggle to believe that he hears or sees what's going on in our lives, he is indeed the God who sees. He is Elroy. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. She had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said to Abram, Behold now, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go into my servant, it may be that I shall obtain children by her. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarai. So after Abram had lived ten years in the land of Canaan, 
Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar the Egyptian, her servant, and gave her to Abram, her husband, as a wife. And he went into Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked with contempt on her mistress. And Sarai said to Abram, May the wrong done to me be on you. I gave my servant to your embrace. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked on me with contempt. May the Lord judge between you and me. But Abram said to Sarai, Behold, your servant is in your power. Do to her as you please. Then Sarai dealt harshly with her, and she fled from her. The angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, a spring on the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, servant of Sarai, where have you come from, and where are you going? She said, I am fleeing from my mistress, Sarai. The angel of the Lord said to her, Return to your mistress and submit to her. The angel of the Lord also said to her, I will surely multiply your offspring so that they cannot be numbered for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said to her, Behold, you are pregnant and shall bear a son. You shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord has listened to your affliction. He shall be a wild donkey of a man, his hand against everyone and everyone's hand against him. And he shall dwell over against all his kinsmen. So she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her. You are a God of seeing. For she said, Truly, here I have seen him who looks after me. Therefore the well was called Behir Lahai Roy. It lies between Kadesh and Bered. And Hagar bore Abram a son. And Abram called the name of his son whom Hagar bore Ishmael. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to Abram. Devotional, Elroy, the God who sees. In the chaos of our daily lives, it's easy to feel invisible and unimportant. We may wonder if anyone sees us, would listen to us if we disclose our deepest fears and desires, or if they'd even care to help. But there is one who always sees us, even when we feel overlooked and forgotten. His name is Elroy, the God who sees. The name Elroy comes from the story of Hagar in Genesis 16 verses 13 and 14, where she encounters God in the wilderness and confers his name on him. Hagar was a slave given to Abram's wife Sarai as her surrogate. However, when she became pregnant with Ishmael, Sarai started treating her harshly which caused Hagar to flee into the wilderness. It was there that God revealed himself to Hagar as Elroy. When Hagar fled to the wilderness, pregnant and alone, she encountered the angel of the Lord who saw the distressed Hagar and showed her compassion. Then, overwhelmed by this encounter, Hagar declared, you are the God who sees me. And she named the well to commemorate the occasion. Its name is Well of the Living One Who Sees Me. Elroy is another epithet that reveals the character and ways of God. It indicates that God is always watching over us and keenly aware of our circumstances. It reveals that he is compassionate and merciful shepherd, tending to those who are lost and afraid. And it also implies that God is omniscient and omnipresent. God is never absent and nothing has or will ever happen that he does not possess perfect knowledge about. That includes every detail of your life. 
He knows the hidden essence of things to which the knowledge of man cannot penetrate. He sees not as man sees, who observes only the outward manifestations of life, but penetrates to the depths of the human heart. Living in a world where everyone seems obstreperously striving to be seen and heard, it's easy to feel insignificant, invisible, or unworthy of love, attention, or compassion. But the good news is that we don't need to strive to be seen and heard by God. He knows us intimately, better than we could ever know ourselves. He knows the depths of our hearts and our thoughts before they ever occur to us. Elroy knows our struggles, our pains, and our joys. And he does not simply observe us from afar as we suffer, but draws near to us, providing the comfort and support we need to press on. Understanding that can help us rest in him, knowing that he is our benevolent father, rich in goodness and love. In fact, the very reason Jesus came to earth was to show us just how much God loves us. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That's John 3.16 NIV. Hagar didn't present with a lovely character that would appeal to God. Some Hebrew scholars suggest that Sarai treated Hagar harshly because Hagar began to act scornfully towards Sarai, her master. Thus, when God presented himself to Hagar, he didn't do it because she was innocent, good, or somehow worthy of special attention. Instead, he did it because he is love. God's love emanates from his own character. It is not dependent on the loveliness of the love external to himself. That is to say, the essence of God is love. Romans 5.8 illumines that truth. But God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Elroy beheld the fallenness of his creation, and rather than immediately inflict his wrath upon us, he mercifully sent his son Jesus to be the propitiation for our sins so that we would not perish but have everlasting life in him. There is no greater love than the love God demonstrated for us through the sacrifice of his son. Therefore, may our hearts be filled with love and gratitude, our prideful stature be humbled into a prostrate position of worship, and the anxiety of our worried souls be conformed to a peaceful state as we meditate on the implications of being fully seen and known by Elroy, the God who sees all, and particularly me. Father, out of your honorable and glorious riches, strengthen your people, Fill their souls with the power of your spirit so that through faith the anointed one will reside in their hearts. May love be the rich soil where their lives take root. May it be the bedrock where their lives are founded so that together with all your people they will have the power to understand that the love of the anointed is infinitely long, wide, high, and deep, surpassing everything anyone previously experienced. God, may your fullness flood through their entire beings. Now to the God who can do so many awe-inspiring things, immeasurable things, things greater than we could ever ask or imagine, through the power at work in us, to him be all glory in the church and in Jesus the anointed from this generation to the next, forever and ever. Amen.